Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now we're having a panel discussion on the topic of bridging startup innovation to corporates. We're having Sophie Yao as the moderator. She's a managing director of Pexus Tech Ventures China. And also our judges, now the panelists, Janet, Daniel, and joining us online, we have a, a Perkins Ho and Warren Lee. He's a venture capital business development region lead at Google Cloud North, North Asia. Um, now, I'm giving the stage to the panel. Um, Sophie. So, hi everyone. Hi everyone. Thank you guys for joining our SWC Asia Fanari for today, organized by Invest Hong Kong. Family Office Association Hong Kong at Pixis Tech Venture. So I'm the host of today's panels. While backstage is like intensively calculating the score. So let's cheer up. Let's cheer out through this talk. So first, let me introduce our guest of owner. So on my left side is Janet Town, the president of Roark Group and former CSO of Innovo. And this is Daniel Wu and general manager of Tencent Innovation Lab. And we also got two guests joining us online. So can you share the guest face online? Thank you. And hi, hello. So hi, Rowan, hi, Perkins. So Warren is the capital, uh, venture capital business regional lead of Google North Asia. And the Perkins is the senior manager of AWS Hong Kong and Taiwan strategic program. So um, since our guests on the stage are working or used to be working in the Fortune 500 companies. So as a senior managing role, so today our topic will be bridging startup innovation to corporates. So my first question is for our panelists. Nowadays, it seems like every big corporate is doing open innovations outside and also internally doing the you know, companies, corporate innovation. So I have a question for you here. Where is the driving force of international, of the enterprise innovation coming from? So it's mostly from internal or external. So maybe Janet, you can start first. Okay, thank you, uh, Sophie. That's a great question. Um, I'm sure many of you have read the book or heard about it, The Innovator's Dilemma. Um, in fact, uh, it's very hard, very challenging for a big corporation uh, to remain innovative for a, for a continuous time. Um, talking about the source of the drive of innovation, I think most of the big companies will always have an internal innovation lab, which will help them to looking at uh, technologies in the more longer term and also correlate that with the product or the, the strength of their own business. Uh, so that is almost what you have to have. You, you cannot entirely rely on external. However, having an internal innovation lab is definitely not uh, sufficient. It's necessary, but not sufficient. Especially nowadays, in the, in the past, uh, I would say in the past five to 10 years, things have changed tremendously. You see uh, more and more disruption that's coming to the market. The innovation, which we call non-incremental, mm -hmm. right, which are really big and it can change the whole landscape. Uh, those type of innovation, if you look at the history, often doesn't come from uh, big companies. They actually came from external, either from academic or from startup or ventures. So we, we do see that big companies in, in the later five to 10 years, they start changing their innovation driving engine and have a different, have a new, newer 
uh, engine or focus from external. And this external um, can be the acquisition of uh, uh, existing companies or startups. It can also be a different type of collaboration or partnership that big companies start to have to forge a different type of alliance with early innovators. Um, the companies lately also having um, a trend of setting up what we call CVC, corporate mm -hmm. venture, mm -hmm. which is actually an investment arm. Uh, those big companies start to have to set up to do strategic investment uh, into be able to help them to uh, we'll say fear it's a little bit of fear of missing out, but also to make sure that uh, um, if there are certain things coming up, which become a big opportunity or either a threat to their business, they have a, a seed have already planted. So I would say nowadays for big companies, probably uh, the balance will be uh, waiting a little bit towards the late the, the external innovation becoming the more important drive. Okay, thank you, Jana. So, Daniel, what's your opinion? I think the desire for the innovation comes from the inside the company, the deeply in heart for a change. And many enterprises probably derived from a single brilliant idea or uh, some cutting edge technologies and zero times. So they benefit from the innovation in history and now. So they're gonna value it and they're gonna keep working on that continuously. However, not every innovation can be done or generated from inside. That's when they are gonna uh, put their eyes outside the company and look for the better or some uncovered areas um, from the uh, startup, from the external sources. I think that's the uh, reality. Um, however, I, I would say um, the real, uh, the external partners, they have the passion, they have the expertise, and that needs to be combined with the internal innovation. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, Daniel. So let's hear the answers from online. Hello, Warren. Hello, Warren. Hello, Hello. Yeah, so we would like to hear your opinions since you're working for Google now. Right. So, so, sorry. The question is about how to drive corporate innovation. Is that is that the question? So, what's the driving force of uh, corporate innovations? Mostly, it's from external or internal. Oh well, driving force. Yeah. Um, I'll probably try to answer this question in a different angle. Um, I think the key to sort of like you know drive corporate innovation is essentially two parts. One is you've got to have um, you know top people, and the other thing is essentially the process. I think um, Perkins can probably talk more about like the process because Amazon's got an amazing process to drive innovations. Um, but essentially, like you know, I can talk more about the people side. Is like um, if you can actually put a bunch of top people in one room, there are going to be some innovative ideas coming out. And then if you have the process to make it happen, you know, for me, um, that's how it's going to work. Perfect. Okay, thank you, Warren. So Perkins, so. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I definitely agree with the other panelists because I think um, uh, for to drive uh, enterprise innovation, it has to come from both sides because all things work together. But I, I tend to agree more with Daniel. I think um, to drive enterprise innovation, you have to have a very strong mindset internally and the vision has to be shared and recognized by everyone in the company. In fact, it is really important that staff uh, understand where the organization is going and how if they stay in this company can excel together. 
So with some of clear vision and commitment from the management, it is really difficult to retain talent to drive the future growth of the company. And once you have that right talent and the shared vision, you provide them with the right training, um, right use, right process, etc. And that drives all the internal discussion and collaboration and that in terms drive internal of like enterprise innovation. So once you have that strong mindset tied to everyone, they will find a way to drive the innovation. And then in most cases, they will go out and seek for external collaboration. So it all, ha it all happens organically inside, I think. Okay. Thank you, Perkins, for your answers. So, all right. Thanks, every panelist, for your great answers. So next, I'm going to ask some individual questions based on your personal experience and background. So Janet, you used to work in big corporates such as Lenovo as the CSO, but from last year, you decided to start your own company. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about that. What is the difference between corporate innovations and the startup innovation based on your experience? Uh, thank you, Sophie. That's how quite a um relating to a personal experience. <laughs> uh, I think I have the um, privilege of see the both sides. Um, as I worked in, um, for the corporate strategy of Lenovo, it's a big global company. Uh, we look at the innovation in a, in a very specific way. And later on, as I transitioned to the entrepreneurial world, I had the, um, the, the, the experience of experiencing what a startup and entrepreneurial innovation look like. Um, you, I, I would say it's quite a, Definitely, there are quite some, some differences. Mm -hmm. um, for the big corporate, I would say there are um, probably three characteristics whether when we are looking at uh, innovation. The first characteristic is uh, um, corporate innovation always comes with a framework. Mm -hmm. That framework, mm -hmm. usually we have an ob object, objective. Uh, and then the key objective of corporate innovation is to be able to bring the, co the corporation into a better strategic position or for a more sustainable development. So all the innovation we look at always have the question of what does that have to do with our company? So we look at the market potential as, of course, a different criteria. But very quickly, we ask the question, uh, us as a company, do we have, first yeah. of all, the resources Why are, uh, to do it? And secondly, once that innovation become a bigger market, does that, how does that help or, or affect our company? And based on that, that's almost the, the um, I would say, the fundamental framework, the first gateway. Only after you, you pass the gateway, then you go to the second step of looking at innovation. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what happened is uh, quite a lot of very <laughs> innovative ideas or interesting uh, areas will be, would be actually cut off already in the first gateway yeah. because um, um, a big company have big uh, revenue, right? For a 15 billion revenue company, right? When we ask the question, um, how fast can it scale up? Even if it gets to 1 billion revenue, it's, it's nothing compared to the 15 billion <laughs> the company is making. So that very quickly, that the market potential one quickly fall into uh, being filtered out. And then also this question of uh, how does that relate to our company? Do we have the resources, right? Is there a strategic synergy? We always ask this question with our company. I would say that question, that strategic synergy is double-edged double sword. It almost forces the innovation to have an impact with the existing business model. And often we know that innovation, the biggest value is actually creating new business model. Mm -hmm. So that inherent conflict I have seen has unfortunately eliminated quite a lot of areas 
uh, for a bigger company to looking at. However, there are, of course, uh, um, advantage of having such a framework uh, is uh, uh, it does have a more tangible or execution ability. Uh, once there's been decided that innovation to pursue, uh, quickly the different parts of the organization can energy up and then gather resources and uh, you know, get everything done. So this execution ability, once you reach the consensus of the innovation itself, the execution ability is a second, um, I would say second characteristic of a big corporate, which is on the, on the, on the plus side. Um, the third characteristic which big company always struggle with is actually talents. Uh, we quickly find out uh, the innovative talents sometimes have a hard time adopt to the big corporate. We may have able to attract them in the first place, but because of the culture, the process, and etc., etc., those people, uh, those people may may leave fairly soon. So that's a big struggle for the big corporate. How do we actually cultivate a culture of innovation, not just to attract the right talent, but to retain them? That's a huge, I would say, a, a billion-dollar question that a big corporate has to tackle before they can um, success, successfully embrace the innovation. Yeah, it's really a dilemma that under framework is also a strength, but it's yes. also a limitation. Exactly. Yeah. So also, Daniel, I know mm. Tencent has a very good reputation on corporate innovation, especially mm. in investing, like a virtual arm. So you're in charge of the Tencent Innovation Lab. Uh, which is incubating the hardware technologies as well as innovation inside Tencent. So my question is, from your perspective, how Tencent combines the internal startup innovation with the, uh, sorry, external startup innovation with internal enterprise innovation? It's a very interesting question. Um, well, uh, let's say if I'm, uh, uh, I'm running a startup, I will be very focused on a single point and the breakthrough get deep, as deep as I could, so that I know I'm the leading ones in this very vertical track. However, um, suppose uh, enterprise movement will be slightly different. Suppose you have our sizable resources and full line of business, like Tencent. Then you're going to consider a larger picture and a bigger opportunity. So we're going to define what is the direction and uh, what is the battlefield, where the battlefield is. Mm. This is kind of echo yeah. Janet's uh, answer to the last question. Mm. And we're going to jump on the very, the most crucial part in that competition. And probably that's done by the company itself or the related partners. That's where you see the enterprise innovation mm -hmm. is. So the company's resource will be put on that. However, um, we couldn't solve every piece of puzzle, each of which may require sophisticated thinkings and experiments to build on know-hows. For that reason, um, we want to work with the startup innovations who, has, uh, who have the passion, who have the expertise. So we would like to build up the uh, ecosystem together. And that's how we combine this together. And in some cases, we've also seen some startup, they actually hold up the key technology and user base in some main promising sectors. In those cases, I would say those startups in a very good position to share the resource and have the synergies with us. 
Okay, so sometimes the market is too niche, but it's also important for company strategy. So that's come to opportunities for the startup to cooperate with Tencent, right? Yes. Okay. There is big opportunities in every verticals. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And hi, hi, Warren. I know uh, you have served in uh, many big companies as senior management role and also the founding members, such as the ByteDance, AWS, and Denoise in different countries. So now I'm in charge of the North Asia in Google. So judging from your experience, what's the differences and similarities in startup innovations between North Asia and South Asia? Right, thank you. Thank you, Steffi. I mean, essentially, I would say like everything's different. <laughs> um, but if I'm trying my best to kind of summarize the differences and maybe later come up with the uh, similarities. So the differences would be the top three would be um, first, uh, you know, the people are different. And when I say the people are different, demographics are different, right? Obviously, here in China, well, I take North Asia, China is the biggest part. Um, you know, you've got Asian population. Um, but if you compare it to Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, you've got uh, a lot more younger population. Right? And the second thing is, um, I mean, the ecosystem, the fundamental ecosystem is different. If you want to do startups here in, let's say, China, again, even Korea, which is part of North Asia as well, uh, you've got unique ecosystems. Here in China, you have to deal with you know, WeChat, uh, you have to deal with the Alibaba ecosystem. Whereas over there, you want to do business in India or in Southeast Asia, say Indonesia, Philippines, then you have to be more familiar with the American ecosystem. Say you have to do, you know, SEM on Google or Facebook, which do not necessarily exist here in China. Um, so the second thing, ecosystem. The third thing I would say um, is the, uh, um, well, I mentioned actually the fact that people there are different and people like, you know, the cut is different. Um, I can give an example, right? Um, the, what's the implication to the business? Um, is um, so take education for example uh, in China and Korea and possibly in Japan people care so much about education and link essentially education to your um, final success whereas in Southeast Asia India may be a little bit different but like you know in Southeast Asia uh, it's much much less so so the consequence could be you see people here invest a lot in K-12 education in China Mm -hmm. Right, certifications. Um, whereas the um, um, you know the landscape of education industry over there, let's say Indonesia, is very different. Malaysia is again, uh, Malaysia is similar to, to China, primarily because of the Chinese population up there. So yeah, so the, the people, the culture is different, which has a very um, you know huge implication on the business side. So that that would be the differences. Um, similarities. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't spend too much time, but like, you know, one thing is very uh, similar. And then I think Southeast Asia or South Asia is actually catching up with China is that people are actually becoming hungry and hungry after success. Um, especially now you have seen, you know, um, a lot more investment activities and exit, well, not a lot more, but exit, some exits in Southeast Asia. People start to see like, you know, there's this civil line over there. Right, so they will be more motivated to get into startups, and in China, obviously, right, we have so many successes already. So I guess people are very motivated to, um, you know, start their own business or do investment. So that will be the similarity um, I'd like to share. 
Okay, thank you, Warren. So actually, I think it's a different culture actually causes the difference between the startup ecosystem. So my next question is for Perkins. I know that AWS has put a huge amount of efforts on building up the startup ecosystem. So, and you are in charge of AWS GICs in Hong Kong. So from your observation, what's the trend of startups innovations in Great Bay Area? Okay, thank you for the question. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that personally because I have uh, had my startup in Hong Kong and Shenzhen before. And right now, I mean, obviously my last startup wasn't a success. So that's why I pitched and came back to Hong Kong. <laughs> anyway, right now I'm responsible for driving some initiative with the Hong Kong government to implement some like, innovation strategy from startup incubation to industry, digital transformation, et cetera. And in the past, I did spend a few years in the Chinese University of Hong Kong, driving the entrepreneurship development there, particularly in commercializing the researchers' deep tech projects and land them in the Greater Bay Area. As you know, many people in Hong Kong, or many startups in general in Hong Kong, they're not too familiar with the China market. So in, in the, at that time, I created a, a program and a space in the Shenzhen Research Institute providing all the learning support for the startups from CHK who want to grow in China. So I've seen this happening and I can see the strength of Hong Kong is uh, really on this knowledge creation and knowledge management. So while I'm driving this initiative in Hong Kong, uh, the JIS initiative in Hong Kong, I'm, I do encourage them to try to, uh, uh, while they're in Hong Kong, they do have access to a, a wide breadth of professional services, such as legal advisory, fundraising, IP management, et cetera. So startups have to leverage that unique combination of strength in Hong Kong. Startups can uh, leverage the research capabilities of the University of Hong Kong, uh, take advantage of all the support from the Hong Kong government, including Science Park and Cyberport, test out the ideas in this metropolitan area, and then take advantage of the talent supply and then the product development facilities in the nine plus two cities in the Great Bay Area. So whether you are targeting the domestic market in China, or if you want to go international, uh, using Hong Kong as a bringing board, Great Bay Area is not something that startups in Hong Kong should miss. So that, 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 that's my advice. So, 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 so when the pandemic situation gets more stable, I think startups uh, have to take a look at every single city in the Great Bay Area and get a first-hand feeling of what is happening there and how you may leverage the resources there. That's it. Okay. Thank you, Perkins. Yeah, from my observation, there's a lot of actually Hong Kong startups go to China for the bigger markets. And also there's a lot of China startups go to Hong Kong to be listed and also to get into touch with the international resources and capital. So also thank you, our honorable panelists for the excellent answer. I'm sure the audience have learned a lot from your talk. So since all, all, most of our audience are their startups, so can you maybe give a short advice to them on the bridging the startup to the corporate innovation? So maybe, Janet, you can start first. Um, first of all, um, maybe um, be patient. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes when, um, when you look at a story, it may work out very well, but in execution, there are just so many strings to pull. But so first, have patience. That's important. Uh, secondly, is uh, in our large corporate, actually, there are multiple units, maybe working in very in similar area, 
uh, in, in one side, it's a little bit over overhead and overlap, but it's actually a good thing for the startups. Um, try to explore yourself. Try to actually uh, be penetrate into that enterprise or that corporate. The multiple BU don't just focus in one. Be able to know every so build a network inside the inside the large corporate, and you may have to navigate your way out until you find out the right business unit or right group that can partner with you and create that value that you imagine. Yeah, that's so true. So Daniel, you will share the pain and glory in the startup journey. <laughs> and uh, uh, make sure you are in the right sector and find the expertise you want to build on. It will pay back. And uh, good luck to you all. Okay, thank you. So, Perkins, your advice? Yeah, I think uh, the market is changing all the time. Say uh, a year and a half ago, nobody would predict that uh, what was happening uh, last year and right now. And uh, when the pandemic happened last year, a lot of my startup friends, they were uh, in nightmare because they were thinking that it's the end of the world. But there's an old saying, uh, it is the best of times and it's the worst of times. So there's no perfect timing. As an entrepreneur, just do it now and test out your idea and try the market. All the best. Okay, thank you. So last from Warren, so your advice is? Right. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's advice, but it's really kind of like a suggestion. So I would say as a founder, uh, you should always try to bear in mind that you should get the top people in your company. The reason being, um, like what Perkins just said, right? like, you know, time might change, market changes, you know, um, and which means your business models and strategies have to change as well. But the top people will never change. As long as you've got the top people in your organization, um, your business growth revive anyway. And then such um, sort of theory has already been, I'd say, proven by a lot of leading companies. If you read the book by Aaron Mayer, No Rules Rules, which talks about Netflix, they talk about talent density. If you read this book, like Good to Great by uh, Jim Colling, I believe, they talk about like all those, they research like 30 companies. And then they find like, like one of the most common or commonalities among all of them is like they always get the right people the top people first and then they figure out the strategy so i mean however busy you are always keep in mind who will be the top people you would like to have in your company okay thank you so thank you again janet daniel warren and perkins for your precious advice so now i will handle the stage to our handsome host joy for the exciting winner announcement Thank you, Sophie. Okay, Shall we give you. a round of applause to the panelists for the conversation? Thank you. Thank you. Well, our colleagues are going to move the stage. Uh, meanwhile, I've got the very exciting, the top winners of Startup Asian Finale 2021. Wait a few seconds minutes for the final Troy. results. Meanwhile, I'd love to express our deep appreciation for everybody participating the panelists, the speakers, the audience, especially the ones joining us online. I see Bill still there. Thank you for joining us from the Pacific time. It's late line. Appreciate that. And everybody's still sticking around, especially the startups. Thank you for sticking around. And let's, shall we just wait for the final prizes? Very excited. All right, after a short break, welcome back to Startup World Cup Asian Finale 2021.
I'm right now having the final results of the PG competitions. I'm going to announce the top three winners, starting from the third place. You can feel free to make your guesses right now, make it more exciting. Alright, I'm announcing the second runner-up of Star Startup World Cup Asian Finale 2021. It goes to Water Design Japan. Congratulations. Now I invite Daniel to the stage to present the trophy. Can we give the screen to our second runner-up? Congratulations, Nasumi. On a big screen, thank you. It's a, I have a photo. It's a set. Thank you, Daniel. Congratulations, Water Design Japan. Let's find a way to pass the trophy to you. Somehow, I hope to see you in person sometime. All right, now, as you can see, I'm announcing the first runner-up of Startup World Cup Asian Finale 2021. It goes to ACMT.ai. Congratulations, Ben. Now welcome Sam to the stage for the award presentation. Congratulations, we can see you. For the photo. Good job. Thank you for making your time joining us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Sam. All right. So, now it's the time for the champion of the Okay. It's to make it more, you know, exciting. Give it a second. Just want to make sure the startups are right now with us online. Well, I do have the final winner on my hand. Once I get a good go, I will announce it. Yes, do I have the team? That's why I told you guys. Please stick around. You might be the winner. <laughs> this might be surprising somehow. Oh, okay. So, the champion of Star Startup World Cup Asian Finale 2021, it goes to Care Voice. Congratulations! Now invite Janet onto the stage for the award presentation. Yes. Congratulations, Sebastian. Good job, Pure Voice. Congrats. Oh, 
pop here for a sec. Do you have anything to say, Sebastian? To the, to the organization, to the judge. Um, I do think indeed our company is at really a, another pivoting time. Uh, we had already several, right? Like any life of startups. Uh, but I would say, yeah, the future is very exciting, what we are doing every day. And uh, yeah, it's amazing to be, uh, to be uh, awarded today. Thank you all. Thank you. Also, Sebastian. Your team, Pure Voice, is qualified for the grand finale scheduled for November in, in San Francisco. And I think Bill will be happy to host you if you join the final. Yeah, Bill, do you have anything to say to our winner? Well, yes, I mean, first of all, <laughs> first of all, yeah, I mean, congratulations to all the finalists. And, and I got to say, it was really hard to sort out this this group. So um, everybody did a did a great job. Thank you guys for all of your hard work and your passion and your commitment. Um, but we had to pick a winner. We had to pick a winner, and uh, and Sebastian Carevoice, you know, did a great job. And looking forward to seeing you in San Francisco in November. Thank you very much, Phil. Congratulations again, Carevoice. This has been a production of Industry Pods in association with Evergreen Podcasts Network. Hear this and other industry pods at evergreenpodcasts.com, your favorite podcast app, or listen at industrypods.com for your number one virtual conference podcast experience.